From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Three quarters of Americans have smartphones and half of children grow up in households with three or more smartphones. That's according to surveys conducted in 2017 by the Pew Research Center, which also found 46% of smartphone users said they could not live without their smartphones. Here to talk about the relationship we have with our phones is upstate psychiatrist Christopher Lucas. Welcome, Dr. Lucas. Hi. Thanks for being here. Now, some people would say that those 46% who feel they can't live without their phones are addicted. Is that the case? You know, I don't think it meets the sort of full criteria for an addiction as you might with drugs or alcohol. Um, it's, it's very similar to a behavioral addiction, something like compulsive shopping or compulsive gambling. Um, in many ways, rather than addiction, sometimes people think of it as a love affair, that they're actually uh, so attached to their phone that they, they miss the phone when they're not there. Is it, um, is it an un- unhealthy relationship or attachment? It can be. You know, like, okay. like any relationship, it can go beyond the point when it's beneficial. Um, so if it starts to interfere with functioning in some way, so does it get in the way of regular social interactions? Does it make uh, people less able to solve problems? Does it impact their sleep? You know, those are all signs that it's gone beyond being a help to being somewhat of a hindrance. Okay, and we all see people staring down at a phone screen on the streets, in classrooms, everywhere. Sure. So You know, I've seen people walk into traffic signs because they're too busy looking at their phone. <laughs> okay. um, you know, you see family meals where nobody's looking at each other or talking to each other. They're all got on the phone at the same time. So maybe that's a little over usage. I think so. You know, I think we can't imagine a world without them now. So it's really a matter of trying to have to use them responsibly and to be aware of when they are actually getting in the way of things. Um, the Sunday Times newspaper recently wrote about an experiment to separate young people from their smartphones um, and the findings that this younger generation, these people in their 20s, suffer from anxiety, unhealthy eating, and loneliness if they're not online. So that kind of bolsters your description yeah, of... Um, in the UK, they've actually had a term called nomophobia, which is no mobile phone fear. So um, it's sort of interesting that uh, it's very scary to consider not having the phone. Um, But the actual practice, um, when you actually remove somebody from their phone for a while, after initial distress and thought that they'll never be able to cope, they actually then start to rediscover the things that they did that may, the phone may have been getting in the way. Yeah. Okay. There's another study I came across from Deloitte that showed that people check their phones an average of 47 times per day, with the 18 to 24-year-old group checking 86 times per day. This same study showed 89% of smartphone owners check their phones within an hour of waking up, and then 81% check their phones before going to sleep. That's probably an underestimate. You know, I I think it's in the hundreds of times a day that people are checking. Um, that many people don't want to even turn their phone off when they go to sleep. Um, You know, most recommendations is that you turn it to do not disturb mode so that, um, because the phone has a major impact on people's sleep. One of the most replicable scientific findings about excessive cell phone use is impaired sleep. Um, So it's either due to the light from the screen um, or the direct interaction or the, the lack of being able to be not worried that the phone's going to go off, that there's they're going to be a message and they're going to miss it. Um, so there can be great anxiety about, has how, am I going to get a message? Am I going to respond to it quickly enough? These are not things that are conducive to good sleep. 
Well, some people use uh, their phones not just for the messaging and talking on the phone, but um, for playing music, mm-hmm. reading, um, streaming movies, sure. all this, all these other things. Are those as unhealthy? You know, there's a bit of a gender difference. Um, so that males tend to use smartphones more for games and for uh, consuming content, uh, whereas females far more use them as a social interaction device. Um, so more problematic use is more common in females. Um, I think that it's less an addiction to a phone, but it's more an addiction to content that has addictive properties. So we know that Facebook has engineered itself to be somewhat addictive. Um, and there are many um, other um, activities that have reinforcement in, in terms of having to re- keep using them to keep checking them. Um, and that then can lead to sort of excessive use. Yeah, a lot of the apps or the games or the uh, Snapchat, you only have 24 hours before it expires, so you have to go back and check. Exactly. So, um, this study also said that 47% of respondents were trying to cut their smartphone usage. So do you think people feel guilty about Do people know that they're on their phones a lot, and are they trying to sort of cut back on their own? You know, a lot of people are trying to cut back, um, but it's very difficult. So much of almost everyday functioning requires a phone. Um, And I think only when people are becoming aware of the impact that their phone usage is having on their activities and their ability to do things. So there's an interesting study looking at people who are... high phone users versus low phone users, looking at their ability to solve problems creatively. And those who relied on their phone to answer a question were much less able to solve a problem creatively. Huh. So they just sort of outsource their brain to their phone, and if the phone doesn't work or loses a charge, they're lost. Um, Well, this is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Upstate psychiatrist Christopher Lucas about cell phone usage. Um, So tell me what if you would rather break your arm or your phone. You were telling me there's a study about that, right? (laughs) Yeah, they they asked uh, uh, teenagers would they rather have a broken arm or a broken phone. And, you know, about 48% would rather have a broken arm than a broken phone, Um, which is sort of scary in terms of how much the phone becomes part of them. So maybe it actually is like a, another arm. Okay. Well, another thing that struck me in the Pew Research Center report was that people use their phones not just for calling and texting. Phones these days are used for looking for jobs, finding dates, reading books, shopping, even paying for purchases. Um, so these are sort of practical uses. Mm-hmm. And some would maybe say positive uses of a smartphone. But is this... Is this usage that maybe needs to be scaled back as well? You know, probably not so much. I think that um, where you need to sort of scale back use is where it starts to get in the way of regular functioning, so regular social interaction. Um, The most common associated negative effect from smartphone use is sleep. So I think that one of the first things that should be looked at is what's what's the quality of the sleep? How much sleep are you getting? Um, Because poor sleep the night before leads to reduced functioning. Um, So they did some studies of workers who were responding to work emails late in the evening, and they were much less productive the next day. Wow. Okay. Now, there's some people that forbid the use of smartphones at a dinner table, um, or there's families that prohibit the, you know, bringing smartphones to bed. Right. Are these effective ways of limiting the smartphone? You know, I think having a sort of 
um, a digital free zone or digital free time is probably one of the easier ways to do that. Um, so I've known sort of millennials put all of their smartphones in the middle of the restaurant table and the first one to touch it has to pick up the tab. You know that. Um, <laughs> but I think families could have similar rules that, you know, phones need to go in a bowl and they can be picked up after the meal is finished. So if the teenager starts having anxiety about not having their phone in their hand, mm-hmm. it, is that something they need to just work through? Yes, you know. Anxiety is a, a useful emotion, but it's one that dissipates over time. So that if you persist experiencing anxiety, it settles. Um, and then the next time it won't be as anxiety provoking. If you forever respond to the anxiety by picking up your phone, you never learn that you're able to live without your phone for a while. So you can sort of train yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you advise if you've got um, a patient that comes to you and says, help me, I feel like I'm really addicted to my phone. What are some of the things um, that you advise them to do to sort of establish a healthy? So I think that they need to get um, a little bit more distance from their phone so that the phone isn't isn't always with them. Um, I think they need to have times or places where they aren't using their phone. Um, But as with any sort of addiction, you really want to look at the motivation for change. So what is it that is wrong in their current life that they feel that reducing their cell phone usage would help address um, and really try and m- uh, motivate people to see the positive benefits of not using the phone for everything. So it might be that, you know, their their boyfriend or girlfriend has accused them of, you know, being on their phone too much. Mm-hmm. So is that a motivating absolutely. enough factor? You know, if, you know, they still like the boyfriend <laughs> or girlfriend. <laughs> okay. But absolutely, yes. Um, you know, I think that getting in the way of regular interactions. Um, You know, one of the more sobering statistics is that the the psychological characteristic most common in people who are heavy phone users is loneliness. Really? Um, Yeah. And it seems that people who are lonely are are driven or drawn towards using a cell phone for interaction. Um, But then increased use doesn't make them any less lonely. Interesting. So how do you strike a balance between... Uh, you know, being connected because you that that's positive to mm-hmm. feel like you're a part of something, right? And sure. and being disconnected. You know, I if, think it's a balance between having face to face interactions and having um, online virtual interactions. Um, you know, both of equally valid types of interactions, but if one is crowding out the other, then um, it's probably unhealthy. Um, loneliness, if that's sort of an underlying issue. Mm-hmm. What do you do with that? Um, again, you get out, you meet people, you talk to people, you... Maybe force yourself to yeah. get out and go to a restaurant you know, on your own or uh, go do an, things. An interaction via your smartphone is inherently less anxiety-provoking. But again, anxiety is something that needs to be addressed. If you're anxious about social interactions, you need to expose yourself to those so they become less anxiety-provoking you become more skilled at them um, rather than avoiding them. And the only way I can interact is via a virtual means. So that sounds like it's something a person could sort of attempt on their own, but mm-hmm. might they need professional assistance too? Or? You know, I think that if there's significant social anxiety, yes, they probably do. What about, are there people that just don't have a problem with phone usage that are, I mean, how, how did they get so lucky that they don't have this issue? Um, you know, I think that um, there are definitely people who are very heavy 
smartphone users where it isn't a problem and, and they seem to be able to have a balance in their life. Or it could be that they are less susceptible to these reinforcing behaviours so that they, some people are somewhat more drawn to them. And that may be neurochemical in basis. So really? um, people with ADHD are often drawn to new and exciting sources of stimulation. Um, it underpins some of their distractibility. Uh, and people with ADHD are more prone to problem phone usage. So it could well be that the same mechanisms are happening. Wow. And it's feeding itself mm -hmm. by doing. Wow. Well, interesting. This has been a, a very interesting discussion. I appreciate you being here. My guest has been Upstate psychiatrist Christopher Lucas. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.